0: y'all doing good? Are y'all excited to be here? Yeah. All right, I'm excited that y'all are here on the last day of 2023. Online church family, glad you're here as well, wherever you are tuned in. Well, happy New Year's Eve. Is it, is it crazy to think that this is the very last day of 2023? Are any of y'all shocked that, it, that it's here? I am. I am, yeah. It, it came by way too fast. And I know that if you're like me, you're already six months down the road right? You're, 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 t- you're thinking about the plans that you have. You're thinking about the family you get to meet. You're thinking about the, the job opportunities that are coming. You might be thinking about a promotion. You might be thinking about those New Year's resolutions that you have. Well, today, as exciting and, and the hustle and bustle as that is, I want to take a pause just for a second on thinking about 2024, and I want to look back at 2023. Can we do that together? Can we do that? Okay, cool. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think about this for just one second, okay? What comes to mind when you think about the year, 2023, think about that for a second. Does your mind instantly go to the mountaintop victories? Like, like maybe you had a personal victory. Like, Troy, I, I created some re- New Year's resolutions, and I stuck with them. And it was awesome. Troy, I, I decided to eat a little bit healthier, and, and I did, and I ate healthier. Troy, I decided that I wanted to lose some weight, and you know what? I did. It was awesome. Do you think about those personal victories? Do you think about those professional victories, right? Like maybe you got a, a job promotion or maybe you got to, you got to head a, a certain project that you were excited for. Maybe you got a, a, a promotion, right? You had those things in your professional life. Do you, do you think about those things in 2023? Do you think, think about your family victories? Like maybe you added a new family member or by birth or by marriage or, or maybe you got to see a long lost cousin or family member for the first time in a long time. Do you think of those victories in your family? Or... Do you think about those spiritual victories? Like, Troy, I was praying for something in 2023, and and I knew God was going to answer, and he did. And hallelujah, praise Jesus, he answered my prayers. Personal, professional, in your family, or spiritual? And if you didn't go to those mountaintop high victories, did you instantly go to the treks in the valley? Did you go to those hardships that you had in 2023? Like, Troy, there was a hardship that I dealt with in my, in my life in 2023, and I did not know how I was, was going to get out of that. But I did, because God provided. Or maybe some of y'all are still in those hardships right now, and you're wondering, man, when is God going to answer but do some of y'all, as you were in those treks, do you, do you go, Troy, I know Jesus, I know God, he is my savior, but man, I feel distant from him. Troy, I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this hardship. Troy, I don't know what God has for my life. And if that's you here today, know that I know you and that I see you because I was there once myself and I, and I hope and I pray that you also realize that God gives us hope beyond all belief and that he will help you through that hardship. Do I know how he's going to answer that? No, but I know he will answer you and your prayers. One last question of 2023. Did your 2023 blast right on by? Or is your 2023 still dragging on with a couple of hours that we have left? Well, for the Robinson family, it seemed to fly right on by. Most of y'all know that, we have, that me and Ashley, we have a toddler. And so life is crazy with a toddler, right? She's running around, learning all these things. So life is just clicking by. We had those mountaintop, those mountaintop views where we had victories in our life in 2023. But we also had some treks in the valley that we had to deal with. But for the most part, our 2023 was pretty awesome. Like in July, we found out that we are expecting baby number two. And in September, I got to announce to my church family that we were expecting. And today, I get to tell you that baby number two is a girl. We're excited, girl dad, girl dad, baby, right? And so we're excited to bring Tori Ray Robinson into the world in March of 2024, y'all. And we're blessed and we're excited. We know that God provides, right? We're we're excited to just see her little face and count her little toes and to to hold her and to love her and point her towards Jesus. But we're also kind of nervous, right? We we have a, a two and a half year old that we just kind of started to figure out. How are we going to figure out this, ba- this whole baby thing over again? And so, but we're nervous, but we know that God provided for us and we know that God is going to make a way and we are just excited to meet little baby Tori Ray. But back to the sermon. So we just looked at year 2023, your last year. Now let's take a step back even further, okay? And I want to look at your life as a whole. So think about your life as a whole for a second, okay? Think about your life, all those decisions, when you think about your life, do you first go to your good decisions that you made? Or like, man, I, I remember when I met this person or I remember when I took that job opportunity or man, the spouse that I married was, is so amazing. I'm so thankful that God brought them into my life. If you don't think about those good decisions, do you think about the bad decisions? Sorry, cameraman, you're gonna follow me today. Do you think about those bad decisions? Do you think about the, man, I, I wish I would have said that or why did I say this? Why did I hurt that person? Why have I not reached out to them? Do you think about good decisions? Do you think about bad decisions? Or do you think about those God moments? Like, man, Troy, I remember the day I put my faith in Jesus. Hallelujah, praise God, I have salvation through him. Or, Troy, I remember I've been praying for my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my friend, my coworker, whatever, for them to put their faith in Jesus, and it took a decade, but hallelujah, praise God, they put their faith in Jesus. God is amazing. Do you think about good decisions? Do you think about your bad decisions, or do you think about those God moments? In, in, in all of those moments that wrap up your life, did you ever hear a calling on your life? And if you did, that is awesome, and I am so, so happy for you. But if you didn't, let's act like me and you are sitting on one-on-one right now, or over coffee, over, over a lunch or something, and I go, hey, what's the calling on your life? How would you respond? Would you say, well, Troy, I'm a, I'm a doctor, or I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Troy, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a husband. Or would some of you go, you know, Troy, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, today I hope to dive into what God has truly called every single one of us to do for his kingdom. Today, I'm going to be talking about a man whose calling was for him to be lesser, that way he could be greater. Today I'm going to be talking about how that calling on his life is the same exact calling that you have on your life. And God has called you to do amazing things for his kingdom regardless of your job title. And I hope by that at the end that you too see that you are, you are called to do amazing things for his kingdom. And we're going to jump right into Mark 1, 1 through 9. And Mark 1, 1 says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And we have to stop right there. Right, Mark starts off his gospel instantly with the good news of Jesus and some of y'all might be new today might have walked into church for the very first time and we've got to talk about the good news because maybe you don't know what that is y'all the good news is Jesus's life Jesus was fully man and fully God when he was born he came on this earth he he walked a perfect life he didn't sin once God then called him to go on the cross to die for our sins and God and Jesus went on the cross humbly He went on the cross, he took all of our sins from the past, the present, and the future, put them on himself, and then he died. But then three days later, he rose from the grave and he was victorious over death, and when we put our faith in him, we have eternal life. So that is the good news that Mark is talking about right in the very first verse of his gospel. We've got to continue on because we have a lot to cover. Verse two says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And isn't that funny how we get pictures of certain characters in the Bible? Like, can you imagine John the Baptist like wearing camel's fur and like, eating locusts and stuff, like eating honey? Like, it's kind of funny to think about, right? It's kind of, kind of weird. He's, a, he's an interesting fellow, but we get to see what he was like. And then in verse seven, it says this, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now most of y'all in this room, you know this story, right? You, you've grown up in church, you, you've probably read this story, you know, a dozen times, you've, you've heard somebody talk about it before. So for those of you that know this story, bear with me, because there might be somebody in this room today who's never heard this story. There might be somebody in this room who is has walked in the church for the very first time and they don't know who John the Baptist is. They don't, they don't know what he did for God's kingdom. And if that's you, if you don't know this story, I am excited to take you on this journey of John the Baptist. I'm excited to tell you about him. I'm excited to tell you what he did for God's kingdom and the calling that was on his life. But in order to know about John the Baptist, in order to get the full context of John the Baptist and his story, we have to see John's life before John was born. And that takes us into Luke 1, 5 through 25. So verse five starts off like this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. You all know, on this, this is where the story starts to get interesting. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. Now, let's, let's try to put ourselves in this story now, okay? Let's pretend we're a fly on the wall, and, and, and we're, we're watching Zechariah, and, he, and he's, he, he has been casted by lot to go out to burn incense, to worship God like he's been called to. He's probably done this a dozen times and he's, he's in the temple of God. He's doing this thing. He's worshiping God. He's thanking God for all he's done. And then he looks up at the altar and to the right he sees an angel of the Lord. And right, we don't know exactly how he reacted, but we do know that he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But in, in a lot of the other places of the Bible, when we see somebody who, who sees an angel, they fall face down because they know they're in the presence of holiness, right? And so I wonder, and I I think about, how did Zechariah react? And I I am excited that one day I'm going to be able to ask him exactly how did he react. Did he react as a stone? Did he bow face down? Or did he yell out a cry? And I can't wait to ask Zechariah that. Back to the story. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Can you imagine the pride that was welling up inside of Zechariah in that moment. He had just gone in because he would cast it by lot. He was doing his job to burn incense like he had done before. Then an angel of the Lord goes, hey, not only am I here in your presence, but your prayer has been heard. And not only has your prayer been heard, but your son, who you're going to have through your old age, is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Can you imagine the pride he had can you imagine like the thankfulness of, Lord, you've heard my prayer, this, this, this measly old priest, you've heard my prayer and you're gonna answer this? Can you imagine how he felt? Let's continue on in the story to see what the angel says about his son. In verse 16, it says, he, and that's John, will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So This is a lot to take in. We're not even done yet. This is a lot to take in. Right, we, see, we see Zechariah, his faithfulness to God, his wife's faithfulness to God. He's doing his job. He sees an angel. He hears what the angel says. He even, the angel even tells him what his son is going to do for God's kingdom. And you would think that Zechariah would fall on his knees and he would praise God and say, thank you God for giving me a son. Thank you God for hearing my prayers. But he doesn't Respond that way. Let's see how he responds. It says this in verse 18, Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? You know, he's asking an angel of the Lord as he's staring at him. How can I be sure that my prayer is actually answered? How can I be sure that you're going to provide for me as he's staring at an angel? Y'all, come on. Wouldn't you believe what an angel said? But he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, "I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time." Isn't Zechariah's response to the angel of the Lord the same response we have to our God? Right? We we feel a pull to go and tell somebody about the good news of Jesus and we go, oh, I, I, "I don't want to do that." Or, or, we, or we know that we've hurt somebody and God's word it says you need to go to them and seek forgiveness and you go, ah. Or God tells you, do this. And you go, how can I be sure? I don't, I don't want to do that. God, how, how can I know to trust you? you know, it's crazy that stories over 2,000 years ago are so relevant in our time today. But let's wrap up this story now. Verse 21, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs of them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said, In these days he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So there's a lot there. We just covered a whole lot of, of Scripture there. But today, we're going to be talking specifically about John's calling on his life, and it was touched on in the section of Scripture, so we need to go back just in case we missed it. So we're going to be looking at Luke 1, 16 through 17 again. It says this, He, that's John, will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So God gives John two major callings on his life, and that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. And calling number one is this, John was to bring back the people. And so prior to John being born and prior to Jesus being born, Israel, well, they had a history of making mistakes, right? And so Israel was is God's chosen people and, and they, were, they were kind of doing okay, but some things happened and they ended up being in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, and after those years went by God goes, it's time for y'all to come out of Egypt and it's time to, for you to go into the promised land and so Moses goes and frees the Israelites to go to the promised land. And as they're going God opens up the Red Sea. They they walk through it. Pharaoh's army is chasing them. They they get destroyed in the Red Sea. And you would think that they'd be going, "Thank you Jesus or thank you God for saving us. Thank you so much." But that's not how they responded. As they continued to to walk, they started to go, God, we're thirsty. God, we're hungry. Moses, why did you bring us out here? We're just going to die here. It would have been better to be enslaved in Egypt where we had food. And God goes, you you want some food? Here, manna, every single day. And every single day they're picking up this manna. They don't have to pick up seconds because they're going to get it the next day. And they like the manna for a while. And then they go, "Ah, manna again? God, give us some meat. And he goes, oh, you want meat? I'll give you some meat and you're going to enjoy it. And so he gives them meat and, and then they, they get, finally get to the promised land and, and they send in 12 spies. Just to go check out the land to see what's going on. They send in those 12 spies and those 12 spies come back and, and two of them go, we can do this. We can take on everyone that's there. No, but 10 of those spies go, no, we can't. We can't take on who's in there. We can't do this. God's not with us. And God goes, you're all about to trek around for 40 years and all of y'all are going to die. And the next generation is going to come in. And so they trek around for 40 years. After those 40 years, they finally get into the promised land. They're there. And God goes, don't make any treaties with nations and don't intermarry. Pretty simple. And they did that. (laughs) No. They made treaties with other nations and they intermarried. And when they did that, the pagan gods that those nations were worshiping came into the house of God. And God said, that's enough. Because God is a jealous God. God wants us to worship him and him alone. So he goes, y'all are in exile now. And so Israel and Judah, they go into exile. And for 70 years, they're they're in this land that is not their own. But after those 70 years, God calls them back from Babylon into the promised land. And he goes, you're my people. Come back to me. They come back to the promised land. But Israel still is not getting it. They're trying to follow all these rules. They still got these pagan gods that they're they're worshiping, and God just wants them to come back to him. And that's where John comes in. But John's job was to go out to Israel and say, come back to the one true God. Come back to him. And so John did what he was called to do, and we see in Mark 1, 4 that we just read this. That he, and this is John, preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John listened to God's calling. And John went out to Israel and told everyone about him. Now you might be think, sitting there and thinking, okay, yeah, Troy went through John's life. He's a very, a very amazing man and God called him to do that. But how does John going out to Israel and telling them about the Messiah impact my life? That was over 2,000 years ago. Well, that's a great question, and I'm going to answer with a question. I need a little participation here. Okay. So how many of y'all have ever had a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a, a teacher, a coach, a parent, tell you about their faith? How many of y'all in here have ever had that? Just a few of us. Okay. So... I grew up in a Christian household and so my parents told me about Jesus and I went to church. So almost every single person in this room somewhere has had somebody tell them about their faith, right? And when they told you about their faith, you either asked them questions or you went out to seek wise counsel. And as you started to learn about Jesus and after you heard the stories about what Jesus had done, you put your faith in him and now you have eternal life through him. Y'all, that's what John did John was the guy who went out and said, believe in Jesus. The Messiah is coming. I am here to prepare the way. And it continues on today, y'all, hence every single one of us here in this room and online as well. And all of that brings us into John's second calling, and it's this, to go before the Lord to prepare the people. Now, this part of John's calling was prophesied hundreds of years ago uh, through the, the prophet of Isaiah, and we're going to be going into Isaiah 43-5, through five, and it says this, In the wilderness, prepare the way. And we're going to come back to that in just one second. But in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." you so that prepare the way part that Isaiah's is talking about is very significant because that's talking about Jesus. And we know that because of what Jesus says in John 14, six, and he says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Isaiah, hundreds of years ago, prophesied about John's calling on his life to prepare the way for Jesus. Y'all, that right there is John's calling of a lifetime, which is now bringing us full circle to what we read in Mark 1, 7 through 8. And it says this, after me, and that's John, after me comes the one more powerful than I, and that person is Jesus. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now this is how John prepared the way for Jesus. Every person he came into interaction with, every person he saw on the road, when people came to repentance and, and would baptize in the water by him, he pointed them to Jesus. He didn't point them to himself, he pointed them to Jesus. Now, for the question of the hour How does John's calling to prepare the way for Jesus apply to how God has called me? That's a great question. You see, John's calling was to prepare the way for Jesus. Our calling now as believers in Christ is to continue pointing people to him. Now you might be thinking, how can God use me? Right? We just read John's story, Troy. He, he was, his dad was visited by an angel of the Lord. He was called before he was born. He, he was a miraculous birth. He, he was great in the sight of the Lord. Does God even know me? <sighs> If you think he can't use you, I'm going to challenge you really quick. I want to say that the skills and the abilities and the things that you can do are all crea- were all created for you specifically. That way you could do a, a, an amazing work in God's kingdom. And if you're like, ah, that doesn't convince me. Ah, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a million times. Preachers always say that. Well, then let's take a look at Jesus' ministry. Okay. About five seconds after Jesus started his ministry, after he was baptized by John, he he went out and he he looked for, for people to help him and, and they answered that call. Right? When Jesus came onto the scene, he called out the 12 disciples, and those disciples, they were underqualified. They were unimpressive. They were outcasts. Y'all, these guys that Jesus called were nobodies of society. Yet Jesus called them and they answered and they went. They traveled with Jesus for three years, seeing him speak to the people that the other religious leaders would not talk to. And he told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. They heard Jesus tell stories and tell parables about about the kingdom of God and what he was going to do in people's lives if only they trusted in him. They witnessed Jesus challenge the religious leaders who nobody else challenged. He said, these laws that you're following, that's not going to get you there. But if you put your faith in me, I will answer the Father, and you will have eternal life through me. They saw him perform amazing miracles that no one had ever performed. And then after all of those things, all the words that he said, all the miracles they performed, all the things they saw, Jesus then sent them out to go and tell people about what they saw and what they heard. In all of this, y'all, in all of the stories that we see in the Bible, we see God use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We see a story of hope, of truth, of love and of grace and of mercy travel countless miles in over 2,000 years to our time Today, all because ordinary people listened to God and answered his calling to go tell others about him. And in that same way today, the savior of the world is calling us for our calling of a lifetime. All you have to do is say yes. We first have to do that when we see that in John chapter three, verse 16, where he says, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Y'all, when we put our faith in Jesus, then we then get to partner with him. For those of y'all walking with Jesus today, is it freeing knowing that you have the savior of the world on your side? Like he forgave you of your sins and you have eternal life. Is that amazing? Yeah. Y'all, that, that's amazing. We have the Savior of the world on our side, y'all. We should be pumped about that. right? He saved us even though we were dirty, even though we were sinners, even though we don't deserve it. It's exciting. But for those of y'all battling in the room today, maybe you're struggling with your faith or maybe you don't even know Jesus at all, know that I'm praying for you. Again, I said it earlier. I was you at one point. I get it. I understand. But know that There's hope know that there's truth, and know that God is calling out to you. Ask those questions and seek those answers. But today is not for the people who don't believe in Jesus. Today's sermon is about the people who do believe in Jesus. We have a calling of a lifetime just like John had. And that calling of a lifetime is found in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and go make make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. (laughs) Y'all, Jesus has called us. Underqualified, unimpressive, outcast sinners. He's given us a command to go out and make disciples. Now, is that call intimidating? You bet it is, right? We can be slandered. We could be rejected. We could be talking to somebody about our faith and they ask us a question and we don't know the answer, right? We could, we could even freeze up, right? When God is saying, go talk to that cashier right there because they need to hear about Jesus. And we go, oh, hold up. yo know, this call is intimidating, right? And all of those things could happen. And, and all of these things that I just listed out to you have happened to me. So these things could and probably will happen. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit on our side. We have the same God that John had in his ministry. All we have to do is rely on him. When we lean on Jesus and not our own understanding, he can make anything possible. John had a calling on his life and he accepted. You also have a calling on your life to share Jesus. Now, you can decline and you can go, hey, me and Jesus are good. I believe in him for salvation, but you know I'm not gonna. I don't want to tell anybody because it's intimidating. You can do that and you'll have salvation, but I challenge you. You can step out in faith, accept that calling, and then go and make disciples for him. That choice, though, is 100% totally up to you. So do you remember that question I asked you at the beginning? What is the calling for your life? Some of you in this room may have thought that my calling is small, it's insignificant, Troy, my calling is meaningless, or some probably even thought, Troy, my calling is the job title on my business card. I want to tell you today that your calling is so much greater than that little line underneath your name on the business card. Those areas where you live life day in and day out is where your ministry happens, in the home, in the office, on the job site, Behind the cash register, in front of the cash register, at the pump of the gas station. Y'all, on and on and on. That is where your ministry is, where your boots are. That's where your ministry is. Your true calling when you put your faith in Jesus is to tell others about Jesus' life, his truth, his sacrifice, his victory over death, and his love, his mercy, and his saving grace. In closing, in the coming year of 2024, you I pray that you step into your true calling with confidence, knowing that God has called you to be his. I pray that you step into your true calling with courage, knowing that God is with you. And I pray that you step into your true calling with peace, knowing God has already made a way. God called John over 2,000 years ago, and John answered the call. God prepared him so he could prepare the way. God is calling out to you today too in the very last day of 2023 to tell others about Jesus and how he is the way, the truth, and the life. No, God's got you through it all. Now, if you've got questions about how to do that, ask somebody. If you're thinking, God can't use me, read any story in the Bible and I can bet you can see that he can use anybody. And if you're struggling with your faith today. Or if you don't know Jesus, we're going to have some prayer partners at the side of the stage after service. Please come talk to them. They want to pray with you because they love you and they want to point you to him. Every Christ follower has an important calling on their life to go out and tell others about him. Will you accept the call? Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, just first off, thank you for today, God, and and just thank you for us being able to gather here today, God. Thank you for 2023. God, I know that there were mountaintop victories and there were in the valley treks of the hardship, God, but in all of those things, you were there. In all of those things, you give us hope, and and God, I, I pray that we rest on that truth. God, I, I, first off, I just want to thank you for John's example. God, he was called to do mighty work for your kingdom, and he answered that call, even though it was tough, even though he was slandered, and then even though he was killed for doing that, God, but, but we're so thankful his, for his example, and I pray that we can follow that. God, I also am so thankful that you sent Jesus here to die for our sins. God, without him, this is meaningless. This is nothing, but you sent him here to die for us because you love us and you want to have a relationship with us. God, I want to pray for our congregation. God, our calling is to go and tell others about you wherever we are. So I I pray for confidence and I pray for peace and I pray for just the understanding of knowing how to do that, when to do that, and being led by the Holy Spirit and not under our own power. God, and I pray that we have that strength and that courage that when we're called to go out and tell others about you. God, we love you. We're so grateful for your son. It's your name I pray, amen. Now, in 2024, Y'all go out and live your true calling. Y'all have a great week and happy new year.